You're listening to Grounded, a podcast by the Oregon Department of Energy. Hello, and welcome to Oregon's Energy History Timeline Conversations. On this episode, we sit down with Congressman Peter DeFazio and learn about his direct involvement with events surrounding the Pacific Northwest Electric Power Act and how energy management changed in Oregon and the surrounding area. The story starts when I asked Congressman DeFazio to bring himself back and to recount what it was like during that time and to share the story around the five nuclear power plants that were either being built or set to be built in the Northwest. Let's listen. Well, at, at the time of the passage of the act, the plants had not failed. Okay. Uh, they were in the process of failing. Uh, and uh, my boss, Congressman Jim Weaver, uh, who was on the uh, then Interior Committee, who had uh, substantial jurisdiction over this legislation, uh, was the only person uh, you know, writing the act or involved in the act who was opposed to the construction of those plants. Um, the rest of the Northwest delegation and uh, you know, Idaho and even into Montana were, were big fans uh, because they said, you know, we're going to run out of electricity. They had these unbelievably unrealistic uh, assumptions about how much demand would grow, how quickly, and how we'd outgrow our hydroelectric system. And what they did is they had every utility submit their ideas, uh, and, the, and the PNUCC, Pacific Northwest Utility, whatever they were, like mm-hmm. the coordinating group, they would just add them all up. There's no review. So this, this, this utility would assume they were going to get the big new Ford motor plant, and this utility would assume they were going to get it, and this one would assume this. So the numbers were unbelievably wildly uh, out of sync, and Jim wanted more emphasis on conservation, didn't want the nuclear plants. Uh, to continue. I mean, they were already uh, way over cost. Uh, their slogan was, uh, you know, uh, power too cheap to meter. <laughs> uh, didn't work out that way. Um, they And so I, you know, a guy named Mark Reese uh, did the issue for Jim, but I was working in Jim's uh, DC office at the time. And um, I, uh, you know, I just was listening to Jim, going to dinner with Jim, and you know, and became pretty familiar with the the whole what a whole debacle this was becoming. And uh, I came back uh, to Oregon uh, in uh, in 1980, and um, uh, one of the other staffers named Don Myers was on the Springfield Utility Board. And Don said to me at one point, "You should you should come to uh, you should come to one of these meetings. It's really interesting. They just keep coming in and asking us to authorize more money uh, for bonds." And so I started going to the utility meetings. And uh, you know, if this was just you know, they kept issuing more bonds and more bonds. Uh, you know, we're we're now four or five hundred percent over budget. Wow. Uh, the city of Springfield, with interest, was a little city of Springfield at that point in time, was in for something like $147 million. Uh, and so uh, I was working with a woman uh, from uh, Fair Share, and I said, you know, go look at uh, the, you know, the, go to City Hall and look at uh, the charter for the, uh, the utility. And she goes and she says, well, it's, not, it's in the city charter. And I said, okay. And so Springfield had had two private utilities in the crazy era where they were competing and they had lines crisscrossing the street. And so, you know, ultimately Springfield formed uh, a municipal and 
a Springfield Utility Board, they bought them out, uh, simplified the system. But the original uh, charter, or part of the charter in the city charter said that if they uh, entered into any obligation more than the original purchase price of the utility, they would have to hold a vote of the people. So she found that, and I, whoa, all right. She called me on a payphone, you know, she said, you can't believe what I found. And I said, okay. So I go to the next utility board meeting, and business from the audience, I say, hey, uh, you're all in, you can't do this. You can't continue to uh, indebt us. I said, you didn't hold a vote of the people. And uh, Ed Harms, we later became friendly, but at that point was the, uh, was the lawyer for the utility. And Ed's like, no, it's not what, it, this has all been checked out. This is all just fine. So I, well, we had this new young hot mayor, and I thought, well, I'll go talk to the mayor because maybe, I mean, we, we can't afford this. So I went to see John Lively, who was the new, you know, the new uh, uh, mayor of Springfield. And I presented this to him, and, of course, he, he, uh, it turns out that they, they, the city had the same council as the utility, so Ed Harms said there's no problem with this. I'm like, oh my God, okay. So um, there was, I was, uh, yeah, I, I met this guy, Larry Hill, who was running for uh, state, uh, state senate. And I was talking to Larry about this. And uh, we we're like, you know, we got to do something about this. And he says, well, I know a lawyer. So we went to visit Bob Ackerman. And Bob Ackerman, wonderfully, he actually had a little news clip in his pocket. He says, yeah, I've been reading about this. This is really interesting. Maybe we should, uh, you know, we should pursue this. And so um, he re researched it, and four of us, uh, David Dix, who worked for Jim Weaver, uh, Leslie Ratley, myself, and Larry Hill, uh, were going to file litigation. And at the last minute, uh, Larry got advice from John Lively, who had ruined his political career. So his name is blacked out on the original proceeding, so it becomes DeFazio versus Whoops. And uh, we held a news conference just before uh, Christmas uh, in, uh, that would have been 1981. And uh, I've you know, done a lot of big press conferences in Congress. I've been to a lot, I, I, there were more cameras and more microphones at that news conference over in wow. Springfield City than I've ever seen in my life. And really it was a very big deal. And we were challenging you know, the, the whole basis of the, uh, of the uh, obligation of the, you know, Springfield Utility Board and uh, other, you know, other bondholders. So uh, the Oregonian subsequently uh, wrote an, art, uh, an editorial just after Christmas saying this constituted nothing more than economic terrorism, and you know we were going to bring down the whole Northwest. Um, you know we got death threats. Uh, you know my lawyer got weird phone calls from people on Wall Street. I got a call from someone and in those days. You could tell it was long distance. Right. And um, it was crackly and long distance, and it's this guy very hesitant. He says, he says, I, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm an, you know, I'm an, I'm an accountant or actuary, and he said, and I work for this big law firm, and he says they're laundering money, for whoops, there's all this corruption going on. I mean, they had electrical workers who were working at one of the plants who got who would leave Seattle, get paid to drive four hours, work for maybe half an hour, turn around and drive back. So, I mean, this was just going crazy. I mean, the story has never been really told in its entirety. So we're proceeding along. Uh, a, a woman named Cindy Wooten and I were out drinking beer one night. She was a city councilor, and she says, well, you ought, to, you ought to have a rally and burn your bills. And I'm like, 
Well, that's a great idea, sure. I think we're just <laughs> drinking beer. Well, the next morning I listen to KUGN and it says that a, a rally has been announced in Springfield and people are going to show up and burn their bills at the utility. And I'm like, wait a minute, we were just drinking beer. <laughs> so, we, so we had a, a protest uh, and a lot of people showed up because some just kept raising the rates and raising yeah. the rates and they're promising huge rate increases. And uh, we burned our bills. And I had reserved the city hall, there, and we sent in a, 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 a you know, like a designee, because they have just a little meeting room, and said, way too many of us, you need to come to city hall. And they did. So the Springfield Utility Board came to, to the brand new city hall, and uh, had, you know, a very acrimonious meeting. Uh, people were holding candles that they'd used to burn their bills, they get wax all over the floor, I had to go in the next day and scrape it up. And... Uh, but anyway, they're still standing behind their claim. Uh, then, you know, there were only four of us, so we started after that holding meetings and getting other people. We ultimately signed up 26 Springfield ratepayers for a citizen suit. Um, we'd do pass the hat to pay for Bob's expenses. And then the city of Drain joined us. I, I, Martha Walters, who is now the uh, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, was a young attorney. And I remember very distinctly going down on a winter night in her Chevy 2 Nova station wagon to Drain, Oregon, uh, to make a presentation to the city council, uh, uh, and she represented Drain, on why they should join our lawsuit, and God bless them, they did, wow. <laughs> the little city of Drain. So, Drain. so now we had Drain and, and the Springfield ratepayers. And, um, you know, there's like the forces of... Mordor are allied uh, against us. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And so Bob is doing discovery. He goes up to Whoops, and they have something the size of a, a, a basketball court, and it was all file drawers in those days. And he said, okay, go ahead and do discovery. There's no index. And oh so Bob, with you know a couple other people and volunteers, they started going through files. And after a while, they found that all of the authorities for co-ops, munis, uh, and, and, you know, and the others who are participating, there are four different kinds of utilities in, in two different states, mm -hmm. all had an, exactly the same uh, legal opinion about them authorizing. Mm -hmm. And he's like, this isn't right. right. And they'd all been written by a big bond broker uh, lawyer in uh, New York. And uh, he went back to interview the guy and depose him, and he was suddenly under psychiatric care. He couldn't be deposed. Uh, and, you know, this became the basis for the suit. Basically, that, I mean, you know, we, we were not authorized, nor were many other utilities authorized to enter into the suit. We had a very conservative uh, a circuit court judge, Woodridge, and um, he, um, you know, he heard the case. There was Bob and Martha Walters, and then the whole rest of the room was filled with Whoops attorneys. And, you know, I'm there. And uh, uh, he, you know, we go through the, the pleadings, and then uh, Mar Mar Martha had a, they had a speakerphone, big speakerphone, those days speakerphone sure. career, and there, because she worked on this law firm. So, so he was going to make a declaratory judgment, so we go over to to Martha's office, and we're sitting there, and uh, and Woodridge says, "Well, he says, um, 
says there are you know, 13 complaints. He says, and I find uh, on behalf of the plaintiffs on 12 of the 13 complaints. And then just like, it's a huge conference call. Bedlam breaks out. McMurray was the name of their uh, head attorney. And someone says, McMurray, McMurray. And they said, someone, th- someone said, I think he fainted. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so people are screaming across each other. Cindy, I call Cindy, she called the registered guard. And I mean, we've got the two copies, and she got the editor and said, uh, you know, Fazio lawsuit just won. And she, he says, oh, hold on a minute. Covered the phone. That's when the RG and the presses were in the same building. Sure. He, says, yeah. he says, stop the press. <laughs> so, so, they, so they run a picture of like sunflowers or something, but they had the story about us yeah. winning. And then the next day they ran a picture of me and Bob on the front page because, you know, they couldn't get it undone in time. So this meant um, now that... Uh, you know, basically, uh, all the Oregon utilities are out. Mm-hmm. Now, all the Washington utilities, uh, there have been a lawsuit up there, and the Supreme Court has said, oh, no, this is watertight, everything's just fine, you're mm-hmm. all in. Mm-hmm. And unless 25% of the people were out, the projects wouldn't terminate. Well, Oregon didn't constitute 25%. Sure. So the Washington Supreme Court remanded its decision to itself, mm-hmm. and they changed their mind wow. and said, oh, we find that uh, you know there is no authority, and Washington's out. Wow! So now Oregon and Washington are out, but all these lawyers in Oregon mm-hmm. are going to be disbarred. Uh, and so this had been pending in the appeals court for months, and on a Friday, the appeals court sent the case to the Supreme Court, who decided it on Tuesday and threw out our litigation because now everybody was out, our litigation wasn't relevant anymore, and now all these lawyers wouldn't get disbarred who had signed something that wasn't legal. And that was Hans Lindy who did that, who was otherwise apparently a great judge. So that is the real story of whoops, and we caused uh, what was then the greatest bond default in the history of the United States. Of course, the Wall Street has made it look paltry at this point in time, but uh, you know, at that point it was huge. Wow, that was quite the story. If you want more information on the Northwest Power Act, check out the link. It takes you to an article written by John Harrison on the Oregon Encyclopedia.